and welcome. Oh, you gotta, you gotta sneak. See the cameras up here? It's over. Can you see? Come here. Okay. Yeah. There. Now sit down. Caesar and I would like to say good morning and welcome to Community Church. <laughs> I, I, I have to preach now. It is decidedly strange to be speaking to you from my living room in front of the fireplace. But consider the sermon this morning more of a fireside chat. Let's call it that. So wherever you are, whoever you're with, and even if you're all alone this morning, well, I'm here to tell you you're not all alone this morning because you are gathered with everybody else around the North Shore who calls Community Church home. And we're here to study the Lord's Word together. We're here to hear from God together. So maybe it's time to grab a journal so you can take some notes. Maybe it's time to sit back and relax and just allow uh, some shared thinking about what God's Word has to say this morning as we continue with our series, The Seven Words, Wrestling with the Words of Jesus from the Cross. Morning, Justin. What? Yeah, I am. Let's pray as we get into this together. Jesus, we do love you, and as we are scattered across the North Shore this morning, we ask that you will still speak to us through your word. So open our minds to engage with your word, open our hearts to receive your words, and then may our lives reflect. May we be able to apply what we find. Uh, speak to us this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So what are you living for in this life? What, if, if you had to say what the win was for your life, what is the win for your life? What are you working towards? What are you striving for? What is the goal? What is the win for you in your life? In sports, the win is pretty clear. Sports is easy, right? Take football, for example, a sport that I know absolutely nothing about. Uh, the objective is to get the ball into the end zone, right? To score points. Well, I guess there's a larger goal, which is to score more points in the time allotted than the opposing team so that you win the game. But even then, I think there's a larger goal, which is to win enough games to make it to the playoffs. And even then, the larger goal being to make it through the playoffs to the Super Bowl and ultimately to become Super Bowl champions. There's a clarity to that kind of a win. There's a clarity to knowing the goal. And I think uh, that kind of clarity can actually help us face the challenges that life brings to us. Like going back to the sports thing, going back to football. Training is not fun. Uh, those guys are in the gym all the time. They're constantly pushing themselves, struggling, striving to get better. They have to work through adversity. They, they face injuries that they have to train and do rehab from. They've got, they, they push their bodies so that they can actually win because they have a clear view of what the win is. A clear view of the win transforms the way we face hardships each day. So I ask again, what is your win? Do you have a clear view of what the win is in your life? And does that clarity help you get through each day? Is your win big enough to help transform the way you live each day? As we turn our attention to the Word of God, we're continuing our series in seven words. And so I would direct your attention to Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Again, Jesus is 
still on the cross. He has been led to Golgotha. He has been arrested. He has been beaten. He has been crucified. And now we find him in Luke chapter uh, 23. He's hanging between two thieves. And there's some dialogue that takes place at the cross. So if you want to follow along with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, we find these words. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. So as the people of God, the win is not to have a successful business. The win is not to have lots of money or an amazing retirement plan. The win isn't even to raise our kids so that they are not sociopaths. These are all important things. They're good things. I'm sure they are. But they're short-term goals. They're not large enough views of what the win should be. This morning in our text, in this word from the cross, Jesus tells us what the win should be. Today, he says, you will be with me in paradise. And I'm so intrigued by what he says here, right? It's so revealing. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So what does it reveal? What is the win? Well, it sounds like the win is paradise. And that doesn't sound like a bad win to me, right? It's the most straightforward and most obvious, often the most common takeaway from what Jesus says here on the cross. Heaven is real. Paradise awaits those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paradise, baby. This is going to be good, right? Uh, Or more precisely, the Bible speaks of a new heavens and a new earth. It's a recreation that happens at the end of the age. Listen to how the book of Revelation describes it in Revelation chapter 21. It sounds pretty amazing. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Right, so this is the end game for those who have put their faith in Jesus. Uh, A new earth, a new holy city, a new garden for the people of God, a place prepared for those who love the Lord. So what's it going to be like? What is paradise like? Well, the text continues, actually, in verse 4, Revelation 21. Here's what paradise is going to be like. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Sign me up. In a world where things are often hard, the promise of paradise beyond death or mourning, or crying, or pain sounds really, really good to me. And and I'm not trying to sound flippant here. Um, I long in the deepest places of my being for this, a place where fear is banished, 
and replaced by joy, a place where there is no more mourning or grieving or sorrow, a place where death doesn't win. I can't wait for that day, the day of final rest, as Hebrews 4 tells us, or, or a day of our receiving our true reward, as Ephesians 6 describes it. And maybe, just maybe, this vision of the win might be enough to keep us going through the hard times down here. Whatever we're facing, to know that it's temporary because there is a paradise coming where there is an alleviation from all suffering. And one day, we who have put our faith in Jesus will finally, will ultimately find ourselves in paradise. That sounds pretty good to me. But, and you knew this was coming, right? Yeah, I wasn't trying to set up a straw man just to knock it down, but it's kind of what I was doing. I apologize. But if we think that paradise is the goal, well, this is deficient thinking. It, it's not enough. Knowing that paradise is coming one day in the future, that may give me some strength to face each day's challenges, but I need more than the promise of someday it will be better. I need something now. I need strength now for today. I need strength that's going to help me endure whatever suffering, not just with wishful thinking about the future, but about life right now. So I guess I'm saying paradise is good. It's not wrong to have that as a goal. It's just woefully incomplete. Here's the danger. it's really close to thinking about eternity like a retirement plan. Right? Many of us think about retirement as if I can just slug it out for a few more years down here, well, then maybe someday I get to retire and I don't have to work anymore. Or if we're really lucky, maybe someday I get to retire to Florida and play shuffleboard in a retirement community in the sunshine forever. Paradise! And this is actually a super, it's quite a common misunderstanding of the win. How many people do you know who call themselves Christians, but whose lives are basically lived according to the retirement model? And if we go all the way down the retirement model mentality, here's what it comes down to. If I'm basically a good person, I get to go to heaven when I die. Right? It's an investment strategy that says, if I invest enough in doing good while I'm down here on earth, or at least not doing bad while I'm down here on earth, then that investment will yield dividends when I die and I get to go to heaven and be in paradise forever. This is a dangerously incomplete view of faith. And I would argue, I think it's pretty clear, it's not even a Christian view of faith. It's not even Christian. Because it fails to take into account the very cross from which Jesus is speaking these words to us this morning. The Bible teaches that we do not get to heaven by being a good person. We get there by accepting Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. It's because he died in our place on the cross that we are offered life everlasting in this paradise that's described in the book of Revelation. What Jesus did on the cross is what opens a way back. So you don't get to heaven by being a good person. You get to heaven because Jesus 
was the perfect person. And what He did on the cross covers all of our sins. So we long for paradise, absolutely. We long for an end to death and sorrow and crying and pain. We want the old order of things to pass away. And this is not wrong. It's just not right enough. And if we're not careful, it allows for the sort of deficient retirement plan view of faith. I think it's a misunderstanding that's based on listening to only half of what Jesus says. And honestly, we're pretty good at listening to only half of what Jesus ever says. But if we look at not just what is the win, but what is the complete win that Jesus speaks of as he speaks to this criminal on the cross, as he speaks to us from the cross, what is the complete win? Well, we've got to go back and look at what he says again. And what he says is, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise is definitely part of it. But the more important part is the with me. Did you catch those two powerful, important words here? Today you will be with me in paradise. What actually makes paradise paradise? Why is there no more death or sorrow or crying or pain? As the old order of things passes away, what is the way it was always supposed to be? Well, if we go back to that Revelation text that we looked at, if we look at this place called paradise that is the result, it's the end, it's the goal for all those who put their faith in Jesus, we find sandwiched between this description of the new creation and the end of all death and mourning and crying and pain, sandwiched between those two realities, we find these verses. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Do you see what the emphasis here? This is the central aspect this is the win, people. Look at how many times it says that God's dwelling place is now among the people. That's Jesus saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. God's dwelling place. Where is God's dwelling place? It is among the people. With me, God says. He will dwell with them. There it is right in the same language. With God. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. What is the goal? What is the actual win? It's not paradise. It is to be with our God. God wants to be in relationship with you and me. He wants us to know him and to love him and to bring him glory and to be the recipients of his incredible love poured out on us. He wants us to enjoy a relationship with him forever. And this is what Jesus is offering the criminal on the cross. Not just paradise, but that which makes paradise paradise, which is his presence. Today, Jesus says to that criminal on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. And this is one of the most important truths spread throughout all of scripture, right? This idea of, and here's the word from the cross for today. Here's our word. 
fellowship. To have a relationship with our God. Fellowship with God. And it's one of the most important concepts and it's spread throughout Scripture from the opening pages of the book of Genesis all the way to these verses here in Revelation, right? It starts with this description in Genesis, the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They enjoyed fellowship with their God. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, whether it started with the tabernacle or the temple, even when sin separated God's people from him, he put himself, his presence, in the midst of his people, in the tabernacle and then in the temple to say, I am with you, I am living among you. Jesus, the incarnation, Jesus is literally called Emmanuel, God with us, God himself walking among us, revealing God's character, his heart, and his purposes. And now we, in the age of the Holy Spirit, that those who put their faith in Christ Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, God himself dwelling with us, in us, in a new and intimate way. And finally, at the end, the book of Revelation that describes this new creation where instead of having and seeing as though through a glass darkly, we will get to see face to face and we will be with our God and he will be with us forever. This is the emphasis. This is the big storyline of the Bible. This is what it's all about. This is the win that we get to be with God. It's even what Jesus says in that famous verse in John 14, 6. As Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, he's about to go to the cross and Jesus says to them, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to paradise except through me. No, you you know that's obviously not what the text says, right? It is not no one gets to paradise except through me. It is no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you hear? It's Paradise is paradise because we get to be with God. That's the win. That's the goal. To be with our God. Retirement faith is dangerous. Retirement faith can be deadly. If we get hooked on thinking that paradise is the goal instead of God's presence, if we think that retirement is the goal instead of fellowship, with our God. We're missing it. And that's incredibly dangerous. Let me share with you an incredibly scary text. There's a terrifying moment when Jesus describes what I might call retirement faith. A so-called faith that goes through the motions of Christianity where we do good things and even do Christian things, but we fail to actually engage in a relationship, in fellowship with the living God. We miss out on the most important part of it all. Instead, we settle for working hard and doing good, being good people, even serving in the church and loving our community well. But that is nothing. Hear me. That is worthless. It is absolutely nothing if you are not opening yourself to an actual living relationship with God, if you don't chase after fellowship with God. If you're not seeking him, if you're not listening to his voice in prayer, if you're not studying the scriptures to understand his heart and character and his will for you, and if you're not working to obey, not because it's important to do good works, but because you love the Lord and you want to please him because you're in fellowship with him. Listen to this terrifying text in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking here and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven 
but only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's terrifying. That we could spend our lives even casting out demons, prophesying in his name, and and doing all manner of good works for Jesus and in Jesus' name. But do you see the emphasis on what he says even in this warning? The problem was not that they were not doing enough good deeds. The problem is that he never knew them. There was no relationship there. See, God wants us to be in fellowship with him. The goal is to be with our God, doing good deeds and even doing them in Jesus' name. It doesn't get you in on the paradise and it reveals that paradise isn't the win. The win that's going to get us through whatever hardships we face, that win is fellowship with God. It is enjoying a relationship with God That's what's going to make paradise, paradise. And with this win clearly identified, we actually have the power and strength to face whatever challenges this life brings, no matter what they are or how hard they are. Not because someday we'll get to paradise, but because the goal is God's very presence. And that promise isn't just for the future, it's for today as well. That today we can be with Jesus. Because eternity, eternity has already begun, people. Right? There's not some future start date to eternity. It's not like we're waiting for the starting gun and then bam, okay, eternity has now begun. No, it's actually... Eternity extends from now forever. So it's already begun. You're living eternity right now. That means this life with God that becomes face to face someday in paradise is actually available right now by the spirit that lives within us. So what I'm saying here is that the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ And the relationship that brings that strength, that's available right now, today. The encouragement that Jesus brings as we're facing hardship, that's available right now, today. The fellowship with the Father that provides the power to get through whatever challenges we face, that's available today. And when Jesus speaks to the criminal on the cross beside him and says, today you will be with me in paradise, he speaks to every sinner who has repented. He proclaims to every person who has been saved by grace through faith, And he whispers to every soul in turmoil, today you are with me. Today, Jesus says, I am with you. I'm right here. Eternity has begun. It's already here. And we can have fellowship with our God right now. And if that is the win, not paradise, But if being with God is the win, then we don't have to wait for someday. We get it today.
So I guess I want to provide a bit of a challenge here. And maybe it's a scary challenge. Because what I want for us as a people, as a church, is to take a good hard look at our lives. And to sort of evaluate and say, how much of what I am doing, how much of my life is centered on the win? How much of my life is centered on the clarity that fellowship with God provides, right? That is the word from the cross for today. If the first word was forsaken, right? That Jesus took our forsakenness upon himself so that we would never be forsaken. The second word was forgiveness. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, forgiveness has been offered to us in his name. And the third word, today's word is fellowship. That we can have a living relationship with a living God and that knowing that's the win All of our decisions in life need to be made in light of that goal. That's the win. The with God life. Is your life a with God life? If you take some time to reflect, how much time do you spend doing things for God compared to how much time you spend with God, enjoying His presence, studying the scriptures, conversing with Him in prayer? because this is a slightly different format for doing sermons, because this is a totally different format for doing church. What we'd actually invite you to do is if you're on your own this morning, we'd invite you to grab a journal and to actually reflect on your life and to say, do I have the right win in mind? Am I living my life and enjoying my relationship with God now? Am I taking hold of that kind of fellowship? If not, what's holding me back? And if so, how can I lean even further into this relationship? And if you're with a a small group this morning, I'd actually encourage you to share with one another. Share on the one hand, share if this is something you struggle with. It's easier almost to do things for God than it is to slow down, to stop the busyness, and to actually enjoy being with God and enjoying His presence, enjoying that fellowship. If that's a struggle for you, share that. The other thing we can do is share the ways that you enjoy the presence of God. Find out all the different ways in the group of the way different people enjoy their relationships with God and learn from one another. And then maybe this week, as you move through the week, try some of these other ways that you hear from other people so that you might even be open to a new facet, a new angle on what life with God can look like. But the goal in all of this is to listen to Jesus as he speaks from the cross. The goal is to hear his voice saying the goal is not just paradise. The goal is to be with God. The goal is fellowship with God. And we don't have to wait for someday for that to begin. It's available now. And with that clear view of the win, God offers the strength and his very presence to be with us. May the Lord bless you and may you take hold of the fellowship that he offers in Jesus' name. Amen.